Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Well, today uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm recording now. You guys, uh, today's a fun bonus episode. I feel like saying bonus, bonus, bonus. Like I feel like you could do that so well. Just like <laughs> what sing it? You mean? Yeah, like bonus, bonus. It's a bonus episode. <laughs> well, you're hearing something. You're a drummer. I know. I, I, hey, bonus, I can eat. bonus, bonus, bonus. This is a bonus episode. Uh, all four of us are here introing this because we're so excited about it. But today um, is a nice uh, conversation that Elizabeth and I and you both had. And it was, um, I haven't even finished listening to the whole thing, but the majority of it, and I've loved it. And we just want to give a, a quick heads up as you're getting into this episode today. Uh, we decided to release this as a bonus episode because school's about to start. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's making, hopefully you've already made choices about which school <laughs> choice your kids are going to. If you haven't, just a reminder, your kids need to be educated and it's happening soon. Um, but we just wanted to say this, this episode obviously leans um, more towards homeschooling or heavily towards, to, towards homeschooling, but that's primarily because that's the space that we find ourselves in today. So mm-hmm. we can't speak from something that is not in us, but we want to give a heads up if this is something that you're like, I'm not homeschooling my kids. I don't care. That's great. Like, feel free to skip. It's a bonus episode, but I will say that the wisdom that you both ladies have deposited is worth the listen, whether you are into homeschooling or whatever your educational position. Um, but I know we had a couple thoughts before we released this episode. So ladies, are you, uh, are you ready for this? Are you excited for this episode to come out? Yeah. It, I mean, it's a lot of me sharing things that I wish we'd done differently when we started mm-hmm. homeschooling, yeah. because as most of you know, Our kids were in public school for a handful of years before we brought them home to homeschool. And our first couple of years were super rough and we're about to start our fourth year. And I think the number one thing I'm most thankful for is that we kept going. But I learned a lot in the first couple of years of things that I would do differently were I starting now. So it's mom and I just talk a lot about that, Mm -hmm. of what we wish we'd done differently and what we're glad we did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember mom, you said something years ago that really got me to think differently. And dad, I know you have a lot to say on this too, that when we choose whatever avenue we're going to educate our kids with in any area, Mm -hmm. we are choosing whether we do it in house, Mm -hmm. you know, do it in our home Mm -hmm. or we delegate it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had never thought all the years my kids were in school, never once had it crossed my mind that I was delegating something to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the norm. Like my kids at school age, I'm going to put them in school. Yeah. And I just had never thought about it through that lens. And it brings a weight to it. Of Like I remember when you said that, I was like, oh, wow. Like yeah. that's mm-hmm. really yeah. true. But I think it's, it's a really important lens that we look at it through because that is the truth. We are mm-hmm. delegating it to somebody else. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, Our daughter... 
is starting piano lessons today. I'm delegating that to a neighbor who teaches We're piano because I can't. Thank I, you, I didn't stick with piano. You guys <laughs> yeah. didn't make me. Thank you. You got into horses. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you did. So that's not always a bad thing. There's a lot we need to delegate yeah. because. And the truth is, we delegated, Phil and I delegated high school to a public high school because yeah. at that time we felt yeah. like that was the best thing for you, that my personality was not a good fit for what would be required for me to teach my kids in high school. I just love thinking you about know. John Mark in high school. That's still my favorite. <laughs> I, I knew know. him just after that. A but shaved head with bleach blonde hair. I know, oh, man. Oh, we have so many photos. <laughs> but VW old beat up VW oh, man. van we have so in many the fun combos. Uh-huh. But uh, I mean, you know, that was legitimate. We We liked the high school. We felt like we were connecting with people of faith in the high school. And I thought I would shortchange you because I don't have that uh, driving ability to just push my kids, push past the adolescent resistance and make you do the work that was required to get a really great education. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we put our kids in public high school and there was a delegation there we had to watch it really closely, but it ended up for our family at that time in those years mm-hmm. to be a really positive. Yeah. Really. So we're, so I think just to sum up what we're saying is wherever you're at, I think there's a lot. There's We're going to come from our angle. You're all going to have a different angle. Everyone's situation is different mm-hmm. and so many unique needs. And I know you were just saying before we hit the record button about moms that like work all day and then are doing homeschool mm-hmm. at night with their Gosh. kids. I cannot even fathom that either. for the single yeah. parent. Oh, my goodness. It's so intense, but I know Phil. One thing before we start, so share this really quick, and then we'll we'll get into the episode with Diane and Elizabeth. Well, we've kind of already said it that you know when you talk about delegating. I mean, none of us have have everything that our kid needs. Yeah. So God's going to bring pastors and friends and grandparents and you know others to help our kids grow into everything God wants them to be. But I think that you know, use yes, I we are delegating when we when we hand our kid over to anybody. And so, you know, as a pastor, I see the same thing in the church. Some parents think, oh, I'll just drop my kid off at youth group and he'll turn out great. It's the yeah. youth pastor's job. No, <laughs> the youth pastors are saying, I can't fix the problem because it's in the home. So, I mean, the obvious, I, I just think of Psalm 127, children are a gift yep. from the yep. Lord. You know, happy yeah. uh, is the man, how blessed is the man is the word whose quiver is full of them. So it's like, they're a gift from God. And when you remember, first of all, our kids belong to God. Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. <laughs> so that includes us. And it yes. includes our kids. Ultimately, everything belongs to God. Then they're, the kids are given to us for a time to raise them the way the Lord wants us to raise them, which is Deuteronomy 6 way back. You know, yep. you shall the Lord your God and, and with all your heart, and then you shall teach these things to your children. So I think when it comes to schooling, I like to say, the parents are responsible. So whether you choose public school, private school, Christian school, homeschool, the key is to be involved in your kids' education. You can't yes. just like turn them over to even homeschooling. Yeah, go upstairs and do your homework. No. No. No, you've got to supervise it. And if you're going to put them in a public school, you need to know what's going on there. Yes. And then Christian schools, uh, there's no perfect perfect place. And so I just think uh, we support it all. <laughs> like, what well, we want to do everything we can here at Intentional Parents to help parents raise passionate Jesus followers. And yeah. so as school approaches, you know, whether you're you're terrified of it or excited about it, the Lord is with you, and He's going to give you wisdom to guide your kids as yep. as they head into the next year of schooling. and And so, stay involved. Yeah, I've I've gotten a bunch of voice memos from friends 
who are, you know, trying to, to navigate the challenges of this season and all that's going on in the schools. And the one word that has come to my mind repeatedly, and I feel like I know Elizabeth and I are in this space, and then I promise we'll get into this episode, is that we, um, we've had to make some pretty big sacrifices. And I think to be open to the fact as a parent that there might be a certain season of time where you maybe make a less, less money, maybe have uh, less freedoms, maybe have a certain uh, less experience because uh, it's actually the best thing for your kid's development. Mm-hmm. We have this small window of time relatively, although it feels like our whole life, <laughs> uh, this small relative window yeah, of time to really- Just a portion of your life. To, you yeah. know, so when, you're, when we're talking about sacrifice, it's not the whole of your life. It's not mm-hmm. all the time, but it is a certain amount of time. And so maybe for some, you need to sacrifice. And I'm not telling you in which way, but just be open to the reality mm-hmm. that, that life- uh, if you really do want to be involved, some of you are going to have to say, yeah, I, I know we have to sacrifice and Elizabeth and I know that full well. So thank you to everybody. Uh, enjoy this bonus episode and we hope it blesses you. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents podcast. And today mom and I are going to chat a little bit about schooling our kids, homeschooling mm-hmm. specifically, but even beyond that, like how do we make these decisions about how to educate our kids. I feel like in our current world and how fast it's changing and how fast schools are changing and every state is different and every school is different, every kid is different. It's just not as easy of a decision as I feel like it once was. Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. we started with our kids in public school and I would have said up until a couple years ago, we had a great public school experience. I uh-huh. would totally do it again. Uh-huh. Like I would put them back if it felt like that's what we were supposed to do. And I feel like things have changed exponentially, even yes. in the last four mm-hmm. years since we took them out mm-hmm. of school. And sometimes they can just be really hard decisions to make mm-hmm. of where, what are we supposed to do? Are we called to homeschool? Are we not? How do we make that work within our family? Does my personality, like, am I able personality wise to homeschool? Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot. A lot of moms saying, I just could never do it. Yeah. And I was one of those moms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So four years ago. Me too. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So we get asked about it a lot Mm -hmm. and asked a lot from moms who are raising littles, like two-year-olds, four-year-olds, and they are thinking about homeschooling, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trying to decide if they're going to try it Mm -hmm. and jump off the cliff, so to speak. Um, so I know that's a lot of who we're talking to today. Um, and I know I've been really reflective. We're about to start our fourth year of homeschool and I've been just reflecting back on things I wish I had done differently to start out Uh even before we started homeschooling, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and, and planning new ways we're going to be doing things this year, which has just got mom and I having all sorts of conversations mm-hmm. about all of it that. It is. And so welcome to our conversation. Mm-hmm. This is us. It's going to be a bit rambly because that's how conversations go. But it was really interesting for me to even hear that Elizabeth already has accumulated quite a list of things that she wishes he, she had done differently because I, I think that every single person who homeschools feels exactly like Mm -hmm. that. Um, You just never get the completely satisfying feeling that (laughs) I just nailed it. We just did it right this year. And I think the main reason for that is you're dealing with little people. 
And they don't cooperate with our nice, rigidly laid out <laughs> no. plans and schedules. And I mean, I remember I used to start the year by having a whole day with all the school books laid out on the table and a big teacher's um, calendar notebook kind mm -hmm. of a thing. And I would map out like what, what exact day for an entire year, or at least the first part of the year, where we had to be on math and where we had to be on English and all that. And then the frustration three weeks in, realizing there wasn't a chance in this world that our kids were going to be able to get all this done. Yeah, I was going to ask, did we ever never, <laughs> accomplish Never, never. And then a teacher told me at a Christian school told me that, oh, well, the curriculum writers just assume that they need to provide a great deal of curriculum possibilities and <laughs> teachers in real school, so to speak, as if homeschool isn't real school, but teachers in brick and mortar schools yeah. know that, that they're picking maybe four of the nine science units that they're <laughs> going to study. And they're lucky if they get to all four of those. And then they do about half of the project. So that was a relief to me to realize, yeah. oh, I'm just killing myself. We could be doing school eight hours a day and I couldn't finish the curriculum. Yeah. So I think it's a normal thing to feel. Um, at the same time, Elizabeth and I are both wired up, sometimes unfortunately, to always feel like we could do something better. Mm -hmm. And everything, everything could use some improvement. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty typical in our way of thinking and in our experience to when we do about anything, whether it's vacation or a birthday party or Comer Christmas, um, to, to look back and say, okay, next time mm -hmm. we'll do it a little bit differently. Everything has so, room for improvement. Yes, always room for improvement. <laughs> so I want to mostly spend this time not talking about homeschool however many years ago, not even sure how many, that I did because it was a different, it was a different world back then. Yeah. I had different, similar, but different reasons for starting and now there has been this proliferation of curriculum that is made specifically for homeschool, yeah. which is essentially a tutoring type of a relationship. Um, so I'm really clear, curious to having watched Elizabeth homeschool, what seemed to me in such an amazingly organized and, and steadfast way over the last four years, I'm really curious to know exactly what you wish that you had done differently. And so if you had one thing that you would change, hmm. what would be your most important, what would be the highlight, the main thing that you would change going in? Yeah, I think this one has surprised me. Also, I laugh that you say that I had this seemingly organized homeschool. Somebody else yeah. said that the other yeah. day. Of, I bet you're super structured. Yes, <laughs> you're very structured. No, I'm not. And I wish we were. I'll talk uh -huh. more about that in a little bit. But yeah. um, honestly, this has surprised me. But I wish we'd started from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. That is my mm -hmm. honest, like big regret, I guess. Okay. Is, Why? Why do you wish you'd started it? From the very beginning. Yeah. You mean like never put them in kindergarten in first grade? Okay. Yes. Okay. And I recognize that I could be totally idealistic here and that my theory could be wrong. Okay. But because we started we in fourth grade for my oldest, so mm -hmm. he'd been in public school from kindergarten to fourth grade and second grade for my daughter, so she had done kindergarten and first grade, 
um, we all had like a way that school was done. Mm-hmm. Okay. They had a way the day went. They had a teacher that was not me. They, we had a, a routine. Not that it was working great. I mean, they <laughs> were so grumpy when they got home. It's not like it was, they loved it and it was going amazing. But we had a, a several year period and I, then we had two more kids. So I had a routine with lots of, of hours of the day of just two kids at home and not mm-hmm. four. And so when we made the switch, it was like, turning this massive ship yeah even though my oldest loved being homeschooled he was pretty easy but the second grader did not love it Mm -hmm. for the first Mm -hmm. two years really did not love it Mm -hmm. and I did not love it I had all these ideals of what our day was going to be like and my family did not fit my ideals (laughs) of how the day should go and I look back now I was so afraid to to homeschool I felt like I can't add that to my already like overwhelmed state and I can't mm-hmm. teach a kindergartner to read. Like mm-hmm. I don't have that many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. And this year I taught kindergarten for the first time, taught Birdie, our six-year-old. And we did realistically probably 40 minutes a day, mm-hmm. like four days mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. And she learned to read and mm-hmm. it was enough. It was enough. Yeah. And I look at that now and I'm like, gosh, I, if we had just started from the beginning, yeah. like it, I feel like homeschool really has to become a way of life for you. Yes. It has to work with your life, not mm-hmm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I think, and again, this could be me idealizing. I think it would have more easily fit had we yeah. just started slow mm-hmm. because you get the beauty of starting slow in kindergarten yeah. doing 40 minutes a day versus... Mm-hmm you know, when they get older and it's more like three to four hours a day. Yeah. Um, so that is my regret that I, yeah. that I wish, I think we, it would have been easier. At the time when you were making the decision for Duke, your oldest to go into kindergarten, what was your thinking? You'd been homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So what was your thinking as far as why you, at the time that made sense to you as far as why you didn't yeah. homeschool then? I just had no desire to homeschool. I thought mm-hmm. it was great I'm so glad I was homeschooled. I like looked up to anybody who did do that, but I just, I felt like I was believing that now I recognize the lie that like, I'm not cut out for it. I'm uh-huh. not the right personality. It sounds too stressful, too overwhelming. Um, and I just, I remember going on a walk with you, mom. I think Duke was probably like, preschool age or something Mm -hmm. and I was telling you like I I felt kind of guilty that I just had no desire to homeschool and Mm -hmm. was I was that wrong was that Mm -hmm. because I grew up with you know being homeschooled until high school and you actually were the one that totally released me you Mm -hmm. said if you have no desire to homeschool don't homeschool Mm -hmm. like it's it's you have to want to do it yeah and I genuinely didn't want to Mm -hmm. and but but then another like to fold into that, that like I maybe I shouldn't call them regrets <laughs> things things I've learned that I would let that I, yeah that I do wish I'd yeah. done differently. Doesn't is, have to, you don't have to be regrets, but yeah. if you knew now, if I knew now, yeah, if you knew then what you knew now, I would do it differently. You would start right from the beginning and ease yeah. into it. It sounds like. And then I think to add to that, about a month into our son starting kindergarten, he was asking to be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. He's highly introverted. Mm-hmm. He has significant hearing loss in one ear. Mm-hmm. And we now know he's dyslexic. We yep. didn't know until no. he was in fifth grade. And he hit that really well. Yeah. 
he is super driven. He's super smart. So he just unknowingly just had worked harder than all mm-hmm. the other kids because that's what dyslexics have to do. And he he was real excited to start kindergarten. And then he literally got a month in and asked me every couple weeks until we pulled him out in fourth grade. Yeah. He asked me to homeschool him. And yeah. I was like, maybe someday, maybe. My plan was, well, homeschool in middle school. We'll uh-huh. do like an a online school and I'll just manage their education. Yeah. And then we'll put them back in for high school. Very neat. I said I would never homeschool with a baby <laughs> or a toddler. I just yes. did not. I just, it felt impossible. Yeah. But when I look back now and I recognize, oh, he was trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. He was showing me from the very beginning, this was not a good fit for mm-hmm. him. And it's wow. never been a good fit for him. He, that mm. kid, you talk to that kid about homeschool and he's like trying to convince the world to be homeschooled. Yeah. He yes. loves it. Yeah. He's so yeah. grateful. Yeah. And our daughter was a totally different story. If mm-hmm. any of my kids could learn in a traditional brick and mortar school setting, it's her. She mm-hmm. learns that way. She loves worksheets. She mm-hmm. loves to be with people all day long. Mm-hmm. I think she would have learned really well yeah. in that okay. environment. There are okay. lots of other reasons why homeschool has been a good fit for her, but she hated it for the first two years. Yeah. And then this last year recognized, oh my gosh, I get to like be creative all day long. And I couldn't do that if I was in school. So now Mm -hmm. she loves it. She's super thankful. Interesting. And glad that we do it. But wow. Okay. So you wish you had, first of all, you wish you started from the very beginning so that you could ease into it. And so that they, your kids would be maybe less resistant to you putting yeah. on the teacher hat mm-hmm. um, and that you guys could have, it's almost like, you know, a gestation period where you're, mm-hmm. you know, even after the baby is born there, there's a lot of hands on, but that you're not doing any of the training and no, the hard you get part to discipline. Yeah. And that's kind of how homeschool is too. Um, and you wish you'd listen to your kids, but okay. So, Duke was telling you that he wanted to homeschool Mm -hmm. and probably um, showing some signals that he already that he that school was completely draining him. Yeah. Scarlett was the opposite. She loved the social aspect. She loved the predictability of school. Mm -hmm. I do remember that about her. But what about in those first couple of years of I remember you vacillating constantly about putting Scarlett back in school Mm -hmm. because that first couple of years revealed some real um, glitches in your relationship Mm -hmm. with Scarlett and Mm -hmm. glitches in areas of Scarlett's life that really needed to be dealt with before they became um, too much a part of who she was and how she responded. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? What were you seeing that school brought out that wasn't good? I don't even know that it was school brought out a bunch of stuff in her. It's almost more, I would describe it as it kind of masked some areas that we needed to put a lot of work into. Mm -hmm. So she would come, she loved to go to school, but she'd come home exhausted and really cranky and moody and irritable. Uh Uh-huh. And so I would do my best to put out the fires and to try to, you know, and I, and recognize, okay, she was at school all day. That's why she's so irritable Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. but then as soon as we started homeschooling, a lot of that was in our homeschool day and in, and, and lots there that I'm sure I'll share at some point, but lots of anxiety, lots of, Mm. um, just outbursts of anger and frustration Mm -hmm. and, 
we would trigger each other, so to speak. So okay. she'd have a reaction and then I would overreact. And I think that was part of the vacillating of, of feeling like I, and I would say all the time, I can't do this. This is yeah. too hard. This is too hard on our relationship. And she's yeah. only in second grade. Yeah. And it just felt like we keep having these explosions. Like yeah. we're trying to do yeah. math and she gets frustrated and then I get frustrated. And yeah. then we're like yeah. exploding at each other. Mm-hmm. This is not, I kept saying, this is not working. Yeah. And I can't even I tell you how you many times that. I called the school to ask like, what yes. was, you know, thinking that that would solve the problem. Right. And I think in some ways it would have, but it would have just masked the greater problem mm-hmm. of behavioral things we needed to work on with her, mm-hmm. relational things she and I needed to work out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and figure out how to stay connected to each other. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and, um, we ended up doing some therapy together, which ended up being just the biggest gift. Uh-huh. Of, we saw this therapist to help her with their anxiety, but she ended up doing a bunch of attachment. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a play therapy where basically I would play with her and it almost mm-hmm. reestablishes secure attachment. Yeah. And that ended up being life-changing. And I'm not sure we would have ever gone to therapy or learned any of those things or worked through any of those things if she was in school every day that's really interesting but they would have showed up at some point and probably been really a great deal more serious and difficult to solve i think so Yeah. yeah so with her i feel really grateful that we didn't give up yes um yes and i know that's not everybody's story i think that there are just some kids that are super hard to homeschool and maybe putting them in school is better and maybe it is easier on your relationship Mm -hmm. but for her and I it was like we were still having the struggles every day when she got home from school yeah yeah it wasn't like everything was totally fine when she was in school and then it got bad when I took her home yeah and I think I felt deep down this like I want to figure this out like she's in second grade third grade like yeah I want us to be able to get through the day without these big blow-ups or I want her to be able to do something when it's really hard and not give up or yes. get angry yeah. when it's really hard. I want to mm-hmm. teach her the perseverance to be able to work through this. And how mm-hmm. do I do that and not be angry myself? Like mm-hmm. it was such a, I think part of the reason it was so hard is because I had to be really self-reflective mm-hmm. of like, how am I responding to you? And how mm-hmm. am I to not take on her stuff, but also like take on responsibility. It's her mom of like, yeah. it's my job to help you through this, yeah. not just to react to you. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. And how much better to learn that early than wait till she's yeah. 15 and 16 mm-hmm. and 17 and and not uh, trained in being able to, I mean, I've seen the training that's gone in to um, give her the strength to be uh, gentle mm-hmm. when she wants to panic, when mm-hmm. she is, her anxiety makes her want to be the driving boss mm-hmm. and control everything and everything around her. And that is one of the beautiful beauties of homeschool is you're just in it all the way with your kids mm-hmm. all the time. One of the hardest things. And it's also one of the most effective for real discipleship, which makes me think of when Jesus had those three years, only three years with his disciples, they were together constantly, mm. just never a break from each other. They argued, they mm-hmm. argued to him, they talked behind his back. They, you know, I mean, they had a tough time. Mm-hmm. And yet through that, that prepared them for, for life yeah, and for a role of leadership that none of those men were prepared for before they spent yeah. that kind of 
24-7 time with their um, with their mentor, with yeah. Jesus. Um, I think that's such a good point because I think, you know, I hear a lot like we could never be together all day. Mm-hmm. And like there's maybe this false idea that families that are together all day and have figured out homeschooling, it's just peaceful all day and everybody yeah. gets along all day. Yeah. No, it is the hardest I have ever worked. worked. It is, there's still explosions all day long relationally mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the siblings, with me, with the kids, with, you know, and it's intense. It's yeah. not this like, intense. we're just really wired to be together all day. Mm-hmm. That's that's not, that's no. not how it is. I don't mm-hmm. have a yeah. mild child among <laughs> among any of them yeah. all four are intense yeah. but i think it is this almost like this boot camp relationally that's a good word for it of yeah. two and where i've where i've seen scarlet grow so immensely is when there is a fractured relationship when she does over respond or or i've over responded or or whatever she now sits with it for a little while and then wants to go make it right and then is able to articulate, yeah, "Yeah, it doesn't, I feel like I can't even like move on till I've made it right. Uh And we get to have all these conversations of, yeah, that's like, because we're not supposed to have fractured relationships and we do fracture them, but we get to go back and mend them. And that feeling of urgency is a good thing. And that's conviction from the spirit. And so all this stuff that, yeah, I'm not sure. I think we would have, it would have come out eventually and we would have had to have worked through it eventually, but I'm glad we got to do it mm-hmm. when she was younger versus yeah. older. Yeah. Cause I do remember you saying at one point, it seems like her heart is hard, mm-hmm. that it was hard to get through to her. And that is so not who Scarlett is now, but mm-hmm. that represents a lot of work. So homeschooling is a whole lot more than the academic Mm-hmm. It is still the best way for you used the word earlier in our conversation of spiritual formation mm-hmm. of our of our children because you're with them every minute of every day mm-hmm. and uh I do remember feeling like uh hearing from my friends who had their kids in school that the first several weeks of summer were just really, really hard because their kids just fought constantly. Mm-hmm. I and I that. remember that happening even as they got a little bit older and feeling like, well, you know, we kind of got that out in our early years of, of school, of homeschool. And because we did get to start from the beginning, mostly because my desire was to teach my kids how to read. Mm-hmm. So my thinking was different. I was going to teach my kids how to read, then I was going to put them in school. <laughs> so, um, but gosh, what a, what a thing it is now for me to look at my grown kids and, and, and say, I taught that person how to read and how mm-hmm. to write and how to communicate. But how much more it is even that we're teaching our kids how to argue well, mm-hmm. how to apologize, when to engage, when it's the right thing to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and make your point, and when it's better to just let yourself die a little bit mm-hmm. in the moment. It's not worth doing that. Um, and that all happens when you're home together and bothering each other. And mm-hmm. it's cold outside. And in Portland, it was rainy outside mm-hmm. so much. Okay, so another regret you mentioned is how having put your kids in school early, and then mm-hmm. pulled them out in fourth and second grade. Um, what do you wish you'd how do you wish you had started homeschool at that point? So I remember reading a lot about this and not doing it, but there's so much written about this that when you're going to make the transition out of brick and mortar school to homeschool, 
that you need to have a period of de-schooling mm-hmm. because homeschool is not the same no. and it, you can't structure it the same as a normal school day. Like and it just doesn't I do work. remember telling you. You told me this. You <laughs> not told me the, this. Not the, uh, not the uh, de-schooling, but, but the structure. Yes. I saw you yeah. making the classic mistake of you were going to copy school mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. And it just failed miserably. But I think <laughs> when I look back now, I came into it with so much fear. Yeah. Because I was doing it because our son needed it, not because I was like, I want to do this so bad. I had, Birdie was three at the time mm-hmm. and still in the height of all of her therapies mm-hmm. and special education mm-hmm. preschool. And mm-hmm. and I had a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so it was just total chaos. Mm-hmm. But I was also so afraid of doing it wrong. Yeah. And I didn't know how long we were going to homeschool. If this yeah. was just going to be like a one or two year thing that I did not want them to get behind quote unquote I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure I was doing my job yes. so that they continued to move Being forward responsible as if I looked at it totally as if education was linear mm-hmm. and I just need to keep them moving on this line mm-hmm. grade by grade mm-hmm. and I it was just re- I look back now I don't know that I could have started any different yeah. I'm super type a I was super stressed when we started yeah And I think I just couldn't look at it any other way. But if I were, and it took me three full years, our first two years of homeschool, I'll just be honest, they were terrible. They were Mm. like, I was so stressed out. Mm. I didn't enjoy hardly any of it. I started year two, I started to see the fruit of it in my kids, which made me keep going Mm -hmm. where I was able to say, I still really don't like this. This is really hard, Mm -hmm. but I'm seeing what it's doing to our kids and our family. And I do like what I see happening. Yeah. And then it was really year three that I feel like I, I took a deep breath, which is last year. Yeah. Which was, and we haven't shared a ton about this, but our son was going through horrific health problems. It was awful. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. like the most stressful time of our lives, but I think it also forced me to instead of like, we could be doing better, we should be doing more, I actually was able to say and and actually believe we're doing the best we can. Yeah. And that made everybody relax. Mm-hmm. It made everybody learn more. It made Scarlett like super self-motivated. All of a sudden mm-hmm. she just kind of understood, oh, when I get my stuff done, I'm done. So yeah. I just am going to get my stuff done mm-hmm. instead of fighting me on it. So I'm not sure I could, long way of saying, I'm not sure I could have started the way I wish I'd started Mm -hmm. in the sense of, so de-schooling is basically a period of time where you're learning together, but very unstructured where you're kind of showing your kids learning is fun Mm -hmm. and you tell me what you want to learn about. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Let's go get some books at the library. You want to learn about lizards? Let's go get some books on lizards. Let's go out in nature and find Mm -hmm. lizards. Let's try to catch one. Yeah. Like, and really following their curiosity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And really not a hundred percent unstructured, but like, Hey, we're all going to sit together and I'm going to read to you. And that's Mm -hmm. part of our school today. And we're going to do like 10 minutes of math today. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to bake something knowing you're doing math the entire time. Mm -hmm. Like things like that to help them see that learning can be fun. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be just in this set hours of the day or just in this Mm -hmm. block or just something to get over with. Yeah. You know, even, even, 
that and that kind of mentality will follow your kids through their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Because if you view learning as something to get over with, you're Mm -hmm. either going to quit too soon Mm -hmm. or you're just not going to get out of it. But you could like all the way through college. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know that Phil, who's who's so smart, so well, well created for school settings, um, feels like he went to college just to get it over with, Mm -hmm. not to not to learn. Yeah. I was just talking to a woman at church on Sunday and she was saying she always got straight A's. She was Mm -hmm. super driven. That was dad, straight A's. Really excelled academically, but she said it taught me nothing for, she ended up starting a business and now she's super entrepreneurial, but she's thinking about homeschooling her kids because she said, yeah, I knew how to get an A, but I didn't know how to do anything else. Yeah. And I was uptight and stressed out and I don't even remember what I learned. Wow. But I got straight A's and now she's, she and her husband like started a business, sold a business. They're like semi-retired and in their thirties, you know? Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is this, and I'm still learning how to do this. How do we make learning a way of life and Mm -hmm. not something we fit into just school? Yes. You know? Yeah. Because there are certain things, certain academic subjects that just have to fit into totally. school. Math being one of them, yeah. learning how to read being another. But there's so much wide open in other ways. Um, yeah. And, and I just wonder, you said um, that you started off not knowing how long you were going to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And that that seemed to inhibit your ability because then you needed to follow a, yeah. an academic um you know, learning kind of system or order of things. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking now? I mean, I think we're in it for the long haul. I feel we've said, and I, and I have to like always make sure that I really am in this space because I'm kind of an all or nothing person, but we've said one year at a time, one kid at a time. Mm-hmm. And we really do want to commit to that because we recognize that what works for Duke and his dyslexia mm-hmm. may not work for Scarlett and her yeah. super social mm-hmm. extrovertedness, you know. Um, but I can say we're about to start our fourth year and we are loving what we're seeing happen. Mm-hmm. We're loving who our kids are, who they are socially. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're around a mix of ages all day long. Like we're seeing this fruit that we're yeah. right now feels really good and really right. Mm-hmm. And I still can't say this is exactly what we're going to do, but I do think that it's for the long haul in the yeah. sense of, I don't know that Duke will ever go back. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll probably like start college early. There, like, you have mm-hmm. a lot of options in mm-hmm. homeschooling. Yeah. Um, Scarlett would love to go to high school, but I feel like at the same time, schools are changing so fast I that I, I would have said I before, know. yeah, I'll put them all in high school. That worked great for yeah. me yeah, growing up. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I still feel like we're one year at a time, but with a, a longer view. Yeah. And I would imagine that that there are new um, high schools emerging, too, that are maybe a hybrid of, yeah, there's so of many homeschool yeah. and school. Where because, you know, in some ways we did put you kids in in high school and you and you all did really well in every way. We felt mm-hmm. like you did well. But it was such a different world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do keep saying this to moms and dads, just raising our kids in the 80s, we thought was a secular hard world. But what what you're facing now is is so much evil Mm -hmm. and evil ways of thinking that could affect your kids for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. if they are not strong enough. 
and if you're not being very involved with them in what's being taught. And and unfortunately, some of that is eking into Christian schools as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get excited, though, because I see Christian schools beginning to take on some new models mm-hmm. of of how we're how maybe more of the cohort model and some of yeah. those which is is really conducive again to discipleship to mm-hmm. spiritual formation to relationship maturity yeah and some of those things that are not things that we normally associate with high school mm-hmm. so okay so uh, i have an, one more question um and that is the last thing that you jotted down, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got some other things that you said that you wish you had understood about yourself when you were starting your first year of homeschool. Yeah, I think I, not even just myself, myself definitely included, but our, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like our family has some big limitations. Mm-hmm. We have two kids with disabilities. I have chronic illness. There, those are limitations mm-hmm. as far as, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but like I said, when we started out, I had a daughter in therapy multiple days a week mm-hmm. at a special preschool that I had to drive her to that was not close. You know, there was a lot of extra, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, just having kids in general is a lot. <laughs> but we just had some, we have unique dynamics and mm-hmm. I don't have like boundless energy. I'm not mm-hmm. like this super, like have energy all day long type mm-hmm. of person. I just, my body has limitations. And I think because I came into it with my, like, it has to, we have to keep moving forward and it has to look this mm-hmm. certain way and we have to have this structure. And, and then I saw all this beautiful, motivation on Instagram of how other people were running their (laughs) homeschools and, or so I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. that I just had this immense amount of pressure to like be fitting us into some mold. I don't even know what the mold was, Mm -hmm. but just pressure. I just put all this pressure, which behind it was fear Mm -hmm. instead of reverse engineering, looking at like, what is my actual family? Mm -hmm. What are our real limitations? How much time do we actually have in a day? Mm -hmm. And what, what is really important to me that we accomplish and what is like, it's okay if it doesn't happen this year. I just Mm. didn't possess the ability to fully do that. I think, and Brooke and I have talked about this on here too, like we're both idealists, me Mm -hmm. especially. Mm -hmm. And that's both really motivating and helps me get things done and create order and systems and try harder. And it's also really ineffective and destructive when I'm trying to push so hard for those ideals when I really just need to let them go and go mm-hmm. back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. And so I think the first couple of years were just a constant like, let go, die a little more, go back to the drawing board mm-hmm. again, just over and over mm-hmm. and over again yeah. in a good way. And now I feel like this year, I feel more hopeful that we're going to be able to like we had to strip all the way down and now we get to like slowly build Mm -hmm. back up if that makes sense. And also my kids are a little bit older. The youngest is four. Um, Mm -hmm. and second year homeschooling three of them instead of just two of them. Like I think it builds resilience over time, Mm -hmm. but I do wish I'd been more realistic about my actual family and Mm -hmm. not all the other families I saw doing it the way I wished I could be doing it. Yeah. And there were families who didn't have the limitations that my family did. Mm hmm. So I think that is often a trap for me 
and I would love to talk about it more at some point of, I think having kids with, we call them invisible disabilities, um, who are really high functioning Mm -hmm. in many, many ways, but have limitations in many, many ways that it's really easy to try to just function like everybody else does Mm -hmm. because we look like everybody else Mm -hmm. and you're expected to function like everybody else. And so I think that's how I started of like, we're just going to do it like everybody else. Yeah. And that just, that's not my family. And so it didn't work. No, no. Yeah. And it's, and it didn't work for you either. No. You know, I think in homeschooling, it has to work for the one who's doing the teaching, whether it's the mom or the dad, just like any first grade teacher is going to tell you that they have to teach according to the way that works best for them. Yes. Otherwise, they can't individualize it for each child. They can try, but it's not Mm -hmm. really possible because essentially you're the one teaching and it has to work for you. Yeah. And then it's not like you're just free to only teach your kids. Mm Mm-hmm. You have a whole list of a full-time job, <laughs> yeah. Um, plus, mm-hmm. and relationships and life to live outside of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So, if we have a little bit of time, I wanted you to share just a little bit about how you're weaving in homeschool. So, a five-minute overview, and then I'm going to really try and talk Elizabeth into doing a whole episode on because I've been amazed to watch her every year adapt her organizational structure. And if you know Elizabeth at all, she is very organized. She's going to tell you she isn't because she also doesn't have the energy to sometimes live up to her own organizational <laughs> standards. And, and her five other family, people that get in the way of it. And her family and husband don't necessarily share her values of having this nice, <laughs> neat garage. I, mean, I came over here right after Camp Comer. It was like a 105-degree day here. And we're all exhausted from just trying to get in every moment relationally at Camp Comer. And I come over in the morning, and Elizabeth is in the garage, fully made up, <laughs> But drops of sweat coming down, (laughs) running through her makeup, cleaning the garage. And I just thought, oh, wow. I didn't finish. Go look at it right now. (laughs) And then I come up three weeks later and her garage is way worse Uh than it was before she cleaned it. So um, that is Elizabeth. But she also has a very strategic thinking. And she certainly did not get any of this from me. What she got it from me is only one thing, a desire to be very organized. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And a need, unfortunately, a need to be organized, which can really work against you. Mm. Um, But she, she has this chart sitting in front of her right now that she did on the computer. It's even colored, which is so impressive. I I wouldn't know how to even go about making one of these charts about how she weaves homeschool in with some of the other chores that need to happen um, so that she doesn't live in chaos. Mm. So you want to give a brief overview, just a teaser for what we're going to have another episode about soon. Yeah, well, this came out of, like I mentioned, I feel like the last, the first the last several years, I've had to live really reactively mm-hmm. to the needs of the moment, to the like, okay, let's fit in math right now because the toddler's happy and, yeah. you know, and I, that doesn't, some people 
they thrive living that oh, way. Yeah. And I actually think they make the best homeschoolers. Oh, I do too. And I they get so much they done get because so much of done. it. They're, they, there's so much freedom and movement in their life, in their homeschool, in their, like, I envy them. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, they make the best homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. I can do it for a period of time, but I'm not happy while I'm doing it. Mm. I'm stressed out like crazy. It's still all in my mind. I'm seeing everything that's not happening the way I wish it was or Mm -hmm. that still needs to happen. And I feel like I've just been a mess mentally the last couple of years and like needing to, and I, then I finally just kind of gave up like, okay, I'm not even going to try to have a routine because it just, Mm. I can't ever get the to-do list done. I can't, you know, it's just not working. And I think some of that was needed and it was right. And now it feels like I'm ready to try again (laughs) and it feels like it might work, but Mm -hmm. I'm also much more realistic Mm -hmm. now and Mm -hmm. less idealistic. And this actually started out of, we're making a big change in our school this year. Um, There's a school that's opening in Bend this year called Heart Academy. It's been in California for a really long time, but they're opening campuses all over the place. And it's, they call it like homeschool with training wheels or homeschool with help. Mm-hmm. And it's basically two days a week they go to a campus and have an instructor and three days a week they're home with me, but I get to kind of guide everything we do. Like they, they give a recommended curriculum list, but I can make any changes I want. There's, oh, it's very amazing. homeschool focused. Like some, okay. there are other hybrid schools like that, that are still very much a private school mm-hmm. and you do everything the school says. This is kind of the opposite of that. Of okay. like They just want to help you homeschool. Mm-hmm. It's and called it, Heart Academy? Heart Christian Academy. Okay. Yeah. And at first I was like, this is how ridiculous my thinking is sometimes. It's like, that's, I'm not even really homeschooling if we do something <laughs> like that. That's too much help. <laughs> but I've come to my senses actually in realizing our family has unique needs. Yes. And I'm working more with intentional and trying to figure out how do I, how do I fit all this in yeah. and not feel like I'm just drowning all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I came up with this kind of weekly routine because, and school hasn't started yet, so we haven't actually implemented this, but I was afraid that with those two days that my kids will be in, um, with a, with a group of other kids and not at home, I would just work all day. Just Mm -hmm. that constant feeling Mm of I'm behind, I'm behind, I've got to get caught up. Mm -hmm. I've got to get all the errands done and all the cleaning done. So I'm trying to avoid using Mm -hmm. those days only to work. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of put all the things that need to happen outside of school, all the cleaning of the house and the grocery shopping and all the things and work things and even little things like we make homemade sourdough, which if you make sourdough, you know that means you have to feed the starter on a certain day and make the leaven on a certain day and it's a process. And so... I just found that all of that was like living in my head mm-hmm. of just the timing of all mm-hmm. of that and when I needed to feed the sourdough. And mm-hmm. So I just put it all on paper yeah. to try to be able to look at each day and say, well, if I roughly get this done today, yeah, I this can is put the rest out of my mind tomorrow. Basically, it looks like a rhythm of how you integrate homeschool into all of life and all of life into homeschool. Mm-hmm. Um, in a routine sort of way that yeah. has to remain flexible because totally. your life is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least gives you an idea of where you're trying to land each day of each week. Yeah, and the goal being to slowly try to climb out of having to live purely reactively mm-hmm. 
and start to get to living a little more proactively. Right. We're trying to do that as a family. Brooke and I are mm-hmm. trying to do that, have a weekly meeting where we sync our calendars, all these things that we either used to do or have talked about doing and not really been able to implement the way we want to. And in reality, when you add something like the responsibility of education of your kids to your weekly schedule, it it no longer is just going to flow spontaneously. So it has to be kind of set in some sort of, uh, maybe not a rigid um, routine, but at least you know what day Mm -hmm. you're starting the sourdough (laughs) so that you actually... Make the sourdough. Have bread on the right day. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it just seems a little fascinating to me because I think all of us need to live in some sort of rhythm Mm -hmm. that allows us, like what you said, is that you're being careful to guard those days Mm -hmm. that the kids are with other kids so that you don't just work yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, into a frenzy each of those days and still feel behind Mm -hmm. because you... The, the reality is, is I don't think I ever felt caught up yeah. until my kids were all gone. Mm-hmm. And, and now, and even now, I'm still catching up on things Yeah, I think it's an times. illusion. I, the the yeah. best way I just heard it described recently is that, you know, the question any, like, woman who does a lot gets asked all the time, mm-hmm. how do you juggle it all, right. you know? My number one response to that is always, there is a ton I don't do. Mm-hmm. Like I could give you a yes. big list yes. of everything that I maybe even used to do and no longer mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But I heard someone describe it as you, yes, you're juggling a bunch of different balls at, at the same time, but you have to decide which ones are glass and which ones are rubber, meaning which ones can't drop. Right. Which ones are the most important to you? Yes that they have to get done, that they have to be prioritized Mm -hmm. and which ones can be dropped from time to time because you are going to drop some. The whole idea of like, Mm -hmm. you're never going to perfectly juggle all of them Mm -hmm. and never drop one. You're going to drop them all the time. Yeah. But you have to decide which ones are you not going to drop. Yes. And and so that you're intentional about it. You know what you're doing. There's a strategy involved in what you don't do. I do remember reading a devotional once from um, Shauna Nyquist, where she had a couple days in a row where she had made a conscious decision that there were certain things she doesn't do anymore. Mm. Yes, I and, remember that. I read yeah, that too. Was that good? Uh-huh. And, it, and just it challenged me to sit down and write what I don't do anymore. Otherwise, the older I get, the more I just add to my job description. Yeah. It's like I'm doing everything I ever did plus... All so, sorts of things that mm-hmm. I didn't used to have time for. And I think that's important. You know, mm-hmm. I remember one of hers that I did not adopt is she does not make her bed. Mm-hmm. And so she gives her this, herself this mental freedom of that's just not a priority to me yeah. because I'm doing all these other things. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. So I make my bed because it's important me to me. So mm-hmm. what we're talking about is not maybe what is important to other people, but it's important to you, to you feeling a sense of rest and peace. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what, the, you know, I, I used to do huge batch cooking all the time with you mm-hmm. kids and have a freezer full of things. 
I don't like batch cooking. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the things I wrote on my list. I don't do batch, don't batch cooking cook. anymore. Yeah. Now I do sometimes, there are a couple of things that I do, but at least to get, take that off my mental shelf yep. of, I don't need, really need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't make jam anymore. And I miss making jam, but it used to be a really important part of about this time of year. Yeah. Um, because I had a family that, ate jam and I liked making homemade jam, but I don't make jam anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's important for anybody who's going to take on a task such as homeschooling to say, okay, for this season of my life, what do I not do? Mm-hmm. I also read a writer once who said she didn't do lunch with friends anymore because she was really diving into her writing life, didn't want to disrupt her days. Mm-hmm. And that was something she felt comfortable letting go. Yeah. So you know, I think if you're going to add a task like homeschooling, you do have to come up with your list and it has to work for your whole family. The mm-hmm. things you can't just, most of us don't have the luxury of saying, I don't cook anymore. <laughs> no, but I don't use regular plates anymore. The majority of the day, oh, we okay. go through a lot of paper plates. Yes. Those of you who recycle and are just cringing at what I'm saying, yes, <laughs> this is just, I cook a lot. I'm in the kitchen a lot. Mm hmm. And I, otherwise I'm doing dishes all day long. You You know, those of you who are home with your kids, whether they're not of school age yet or you homeschool, the kitchen Mm -hmm. never closes. They just eat all day long. long. And so finally I was like, forget it. We are using paper plates for everything. Yeah. Even sometimes for dinner, although we try to use real plates for most dinners, (laughs) but some nights I'll just look at Brooke and be like, what what are we doing tonight? Paper or regular? And every time he says paper. Yeah. (laughs) Because sometimes it just makes for a happier family. Yeah. I think that's really important. So one last thing, one last question for this um, episode. We talked about what you wish you'd known, what you wish you'd done differently in those Mm -hmm. early years. You're entering your fourth year of homeschooling. What do you look back on and say, I'm really glad I did that? You Mm -hmm. name a couple of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. A few little ones is I'm glad that we kept changing curriculums until we figured out Mm -hmm. not even, it's not like we found one specific that worked amazing, but I think changing a ridiculous amount of times ended up giving me the freedom to recognize the curriculum is not the boss. I'm the boss and it, it aids me. Mm-hmm. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I felt really bad about that. We're a part of like a charter school and they reimburse us for curriculum, which is great financially. But then I felt like, am I just being wasteful? I have all this mm-hmm. curriculum I didn't use. Um, but I actually think it was part of my process and yeah. I needed to learn mm-hmm. that if something's not working, mm-hmm. sometimes that does need mean you need to throw it out and make a change. And sometimes you just need to change your perspective with what you're working with. Yeah. You know? Okay. That's good. I'm glad that we, I didn't say we have to finish this because we bought it and we started it. Um, and then I'm glad, you know, I mentioned our son has dyslexia and I know there's a lot of different schools of thought of like, do you test your kids for certain things? Some people say we don't want labels, we, you know, which I understand, but I think in our case, that testing and that understanding, I'm so glad that Mm -hmm. we figured it out with him and pursued that diagnosis. And he'd be the first to tell you, I was talking to a friend the other day um, who suspects that her daughter has it and is a part of the same homeschool charter that we're a part of and is saying they're recommending that we test her, but I don't know. I don't want her to feel bad about herself. And 
Duke was right there. We were at church. And so I pulled him over and I said, okay, can she's thinking about testing her daughter. Are you glad that you know you have dyslexia? Like what's that been like for you? And he just lit up and said, oh, I'm so glad I know. Mm. Said it's been so helpful to me because now I I don't feel stupid. I just know that my brain works differently mm-hmm. and I have to learn differently. And I love audiobooks and I can remember everything that's in an audiobook. Wow. And I mean he just like came alive. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really glad that we pursued that. And I think to anybody listening who is maybe in that camp of like maybe any diagnosis at all is super new and you don't want to label your kids and you don't want them to be put in a box. Those are the two things I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming from a different perspective of like years of diagnoses with our daughter and now with our son and pursuing them because I've seen how incredibly helpful yes. they are yeah. to our kids, to our family. It opens up doors for them. It's anything but a label. It's mm-hmm. like an exhale of like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. It's an explanation yeah. why something has just seemed so impossible. Yeah. yeah. And then if you can speak about it in your home in a way that is positive and empowering and honest, mm-hmm. they end up feeling empowered and understand what's happening rather than what was happening with our son going undiagnosed for so long. Yeah. Is he just kept saying, I'm so stupid, mom. Yeah. Everybody's so much smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And we'd look at him, what are you talking about? You're yeah. so smart. We talked yeah. to his teachers and they'd say, he's so smart. Um, so yeah, I just feel like that's important to say, like if okay. you're on the fence about that, it yeah. really is. Maybe it used to be a label in a box and kids didn't get as many opportunities, but it's just not the case anymore. Yeah. And I think s- schools and charters and so many of those types of things are working so hard to help differently abled kids mm-hmm. thrive in a, in a classroom. Yeah. And, um, so I think it really does end up being a gift mm-hmm. for them. So I'm thankful Good. we did that. Good. But honestly, more than anything, I'm just thankful that we didn't give up mm. because, and trust me, I came so close. Yeah. So I remember many times, you mm-hmm. know, I came crying to you, um, especially the first year. And the second year, I think I would have given up if I wasn't so stubborn. I had this like in the back of my mind, like, well, we survived the first year. Mm-hmm. What if it really is going to get better? And if yeah. I give up now and I, I'll never know. You'll never know. I'll never. Yeah. I think I just intuitively knew like we're almost over the hardest part. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to get better. It's, mm-hmm. you know. So I think, yes, it was super hard and it did come at a great cost mm-hmm. to me, honestly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um and brought some rockiness to our relationships as we figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at now at what I see it bringing out of our kids yeah. and it's worth every bit of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And when I look at our son just turned 13 and I look at how, and everybody tells you this, but how fast they grow up mm-hmm. and for the short period mm-hmm. of time that they're in your home. Mm-hmm. And I look at the specific kids God's given me and several of them really do need to be homeschooled. That mm-hmm. is the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bit black and white, whereas I think for some kids, it's maybe a little more gray and they could be successful in various environments. I have two mm-hmm. that need to be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just really thankful that yeah. I think I had enough enough stubbornness, enough of the spirit guiding and enough people encouraging me that mm-hmm. I really could figure it out and figure Mm -hmm. out how to 
make it work for us. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe where yeah. that idealism actually came in handy yeah. of seeing like, I know it's possible. I just can't figure out how to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we're still apps. I feel like every year we're going to have to be tweaking it and yeah. figuring it out. And of course. Yeah. I have two, you know, one's about to be in first grade. I have one in pre-K mm-hmm. and I feel like their journey is going to look probably yeah. really different than yeah. my older two kids. Yeah. And for them, I am starting them from the beginning. Yeah. And I'm sure their whole journey of homeschool is going to look different. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I can't say that it's going to be like this forever, but I'm yeah. glad that we haven't given I think up you yet. S- you said something really important about that it has been a cost to yourself. Yeah. There's been a price to pay for you personally. And I think that's really important for us to just take a moment and acknowledge that for anybody who is choosing to homeschool, um, you are paying a price for it. And um, you are experiencing life far differently than you probably thought you would Mm -hmm. as far as taking on such a big responsibility. Um, Not you're not being freed up during school hours Mm -hmm. to take care of a business perhaps, or, although I know a lot of homeschoolers that do some business on the side. Um, But really you're dedicating a lot of your life, a lot more than the American way in general Mm -hmm. of your life to pouring into your kids and teaching them at a level that most parents do. And I, feel like it's just important that we just kind of pause and it's not about us feeling like we're qualified to homeschool. Mm -hmm. There are a few, like, especially if they are formerly teachers Mm -hmm. who seem uniquely qualified to teach or, um, but most of us go into making the choice to homeschool because it's the best thing for our kids and we're convinced of it. And that we are willing to sacrifice some of ourselves on the altar of what's best for our kids, Mm -hmm. which moms all over the world are doing right now in so many different forms. Mm -hmm. Homeschooling is just one way that we, that we do that. But I think it's really important for us not to say, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. That was my first response when I read about homeschooling. The first book I ever read was in 1980. John Mark was six months old. I thought it was amazing, and I could never do it. Yeah. Because I never stuck with anything that long. I didn't think I had the organizational skills. I didn't think I had anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But God has a way of growing you and stretching you into the things Mm -hmm. that you think you cannot do. Yes. And um, teaching you about poverty of spirit talked mm-hmm. about in Matthew chapter 5, um, that when you come to him hungry, you come to him broken, you come in, to him saying, I think I should, and I think I can't, mm-hmm. and that he has a way of taking that kind of sacrifice and making something really beautiful of it. And I'm also glad that I didn't give up, mm-hmm. that I kept going when it was hard, when curriculum was hard to come by, when it wasn't legal in the state of California. <laughs> When family members felt like I was depriving my children of something vitally important, Mm -hmm. um, it it did something inside of me to be able to be strong enough to say no, but I really see this as the best thing for my kids, my particular kids, Mm -hmm. and I see what it's doing in them. And it's something so beautiful. I'm going to just keep doing it another year. Yeah. (laughs) And another (laughs) year. One year year at a time. And another year. Yeah. 
And I think that, you know, what you're saying to me applies to every area of our lives of really, you often call it living lead. Like Mm -hmm. I think we can unintentionally make our lives really small Mm -hmm. when we say things like, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. I could never move there. I could never serve in that ministry, whatever it is. Like, I think there's so much freedom in living life saying, yeah, I, I would really like to do such and such. That Mm -hmm. sounds really appealing to me. And within the same breath saying, but I'm open to whatever, wherever God leads. Like, I think that's what the with God life Mm -hmm. is, is Mm -hmm. we still have to move forward. We still have to make decisions and there's so much freedom that we do have, but saying, Mm -hmm. but God, I want to be in step with you every Mm -hmm. step of the way. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're going to be effective parents in this world that is changing so fast, we have to be willing to do that in every area with our kids and Mm -hmm. with our whole family and our marriage and say, Mm -hmm. and be constantly Mm reevaluating, you know, a -hmm. year from now, I might have different ideas of what I feel like is best for Uh our family and I have to be willing to be open and not get so like no this is the one way I've said we're going to do it you know I think we have to be able to continue to see the people in our home Uh and ask God for his spirit to invade to give us insight and wisdom into what each of them need absolutely and then watch him work wonders in our Mm -hmm. family and in our own capacity yeah Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.